Hey friends, it's Pastor Matt Lenahan here with the Koinonia 21C podcast. I know it's been a long time since I have uh, recorded anything on the podcast for y'all. And uh, I'm sorry about that. I I thought I'd say a little bit about why and then uh, try to get things started again uh, with a weekly reflection. Hopefully, uh, most Fridays, I'll try to post uh, a weekly uh, short reflection for for all of you and for myself, too, uh, as a way of um, staying connected and accountable um, and uh, just a way for me to sort of process um, what it is we're doing together as uh, people of faith, as uh, people of faith, hope, and love, uh, seeking to to love and serve others as a way that we love and serve uh, the God we uh, in, in whom we put our trust and hope. Hey, so uh, over the last um, probably two months, most of my time has been taken up with the work of the Whittle Farm Growing Project. If you don't know about the Whittle Farm in Elizabethtown, Lancaster County, the Whittle Farm is a, a ministry site of the Lutheran Camping Corporation. Uh, and uh, this is an 85-acre working farm, about 40 acres of which is tillable farmland. And uh, in our sixth growing season, we are growing fresh fruits and vegetables on eight acres for food relief in Lancaster County. Everything that we grow uh, with volunteer support uh, goes to food relief in the county through many uh, food uh, ministry distribution partners congregations, community meal sites, large uh, food banks and food hubs, uh, small food pantries. Uh, we work with a lot of organizations to uh, distribute fresh, freshly grown uh, veggies in the summertime. There's nothing better, right, than like homegrown, local, fresh produce in the summer. And uh, we, uh, we have really devoted ourselves to uh, practices of regenerative agriculture Um, trying to be healers and caretakers of the land and the soil because we know that healthy soil makes healthy food, makes healthy people. So uh, we are, our sort of motto at um, the Whittle Farm is planting, growing, and sharing uh, the abundance of of, uh, God's creation. And um, we we do a lot of other things at the farm too, uh, a lot of other um, practices, uh, we offer retreats at the farm, um, education days around the kind of agriculture we're practicing, um, and um, we also have campfire worship nights at the farm that are super fun. Um, I invite you to go to our website at whittlefarm.org, W-I-T-T-E-L-F-A-R-M.org, whittlefarm.org, to uh, find out more about what we're doing on the farm and what's happening there right now. We're also on Facebook. You can check us out there to see pictures from our daily harvest and daily um, weekly volunteers that are joining us on the farm. We'd love to see you this summer um, out at the farm. I'm usually there on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays throughout the growing season. And if you go to our website, you can um, click on one of our links that um, uh, will help you to connect to the farm and uh, the various days and times that we have um, opportunities to um, be present there to gather there that's a 
uh, that um, farm was a, a gift from the Whittle family to the Camping Corporation many years ago. We're uh, very soon going to close with Lancaster Farmland Trust to be a preserved farm in Lancaster County. Farm preservation has been a, an important aspect of um, farming life in Lancaster County. Over 1,200 acres of farmland in Lancaster County is developed for housing annually in Lancaster County. We're losing uh, this uh, amazing gift of land. Um, and we want to make sure that um, we can continue to steward this land, care for it, and um, um, uh, work with this land in partnership with God, the Creator, to, to make healthy food um, for, for healthy neighbors. So, I've been spending a lot of time there uh, this summer and uh, already and uh, really excited about what's going on there at the farm and, and hope that you'll find a way to, uh, to connect to and uh, join us. Uh, one of the things that's happening this summer is um, we're putting in a walk-in cooler. I'm super excited about this because it's going to really be a game changer for how we handle our fresh produce um, and how we get it de uh, freshly delivered and distributed to our neighbors. Um, so that's where I've been for the last couple months and really just have not had um, the time or frankly the headspace and energy to reconnect with the podcast. But um, I'm trying to make some room um, each uh, day and each week um, to uh, be mindful of, of you and um, of uh, um, my relationship uh, with uh, the God of creation. So um, I thought I'd spend a few minutes today just kind of um, catching up, reconnecting, and offering some, um, some things for you to think about and maybe um, do in uh, the uh, month ahead. So um, this uh, coming Sunday is uh, 4th of July, but it's also the first Sunday of the month. And on the first Sunday of the month, my uh, congregation, my faith community, Zion Lutheran in Akron, joins with our siblings in Christ at St. Paul Lutheran in Lidditz for outdoor worship at 10 a.m. We've been worshiping together on the first Sunday of the month for almost a year now. And that's been kind of a new practice for all of us. It's also been a way that uh, we can, um, you know, sort of break down the congregational barriers that uh, we have established over um, decades and uh, years and even in some cases centuries uh, that keep uh, us um, apart and uh, keep us sort of um, working in silos and um, in, in um, spaces that um, don't allow for um, God's people to come together um, in the ways that we should. So we're doing that. We're coming together uh, monthly to demonstrate that, the, that our devotion is not to a single building or but to a body, that we are the body of Christ. And we demonstrate that by coming together in celebration and cooperation and communion. We don't need to be in a particular building to be the church. And maybe the pandemic in the last year uh, could have taught us that. Um, for the better part of a, uh, 16 months, many churches uh, were not coming together in one place for worship, but were scattered um, in our houses, but were finding ways to 
uh, come together, often virtually, from our homes. Um, but also trusting that somehow um, the living God, the risen Christ, the Holy Spirit were present with us um, wherever we are. Um, we don't need to be in a particular building to be church, but we do need to live among God's faithful people. And connection is important, no matter how um, we uh, build community connections. Um, that is still critically important. We are a church that puts our faith into action here. We don't just talk about what we're called to do and be as followers of Jesus. We act. We act by joining others in worship and learning. We act by continuously serving our neighbors through the ministry we call Peter's Porch. We act by confronting and dismantling racism, something that this small um, white um community of Lutheran Christians has been exploring together for uh, the better part of about three, maybe even four years now. Uh, and uh, we have been reading and uh, reflecting on and uh, taking action toward uh, anti-racism over that time. We work with Power Interfaith, which is a, um, a local uh, community organization, faith-based interfaith-based, uh, working on confronting and dismantling systemic racism in all of its um, forms here in, in Lancaster County and in Pennsylvania. We also act by giving generously, and there has been a tremendous outpouring of generosity um, from many of y'all in the last year to keep us going and, and serving. And we also act by praying. Prayer, in many ways, um, uh, keeps us connected to God, to God's Spirit, to the Word of God, keeps us listening um, in a posture of listening um, and in a, um, in a place where um, we allow for, we surrender ourselves to the possibility that God might um, speak to us and maybe even speak through us sometimes. And we act by showing up for someone else when they need our support. Um, a lot of those sort of bridges that uh, we were have been about in the past um, were kind of broken by uh, the pandemic in the last year. So restoring some of those bridges and uh, that bridge work of uh, the church connecting to others in the community to become uh, supportive partners in our neighborhoods are going to be critically important. Um, one of those potential partnerships that I know is significant in our neighborhood is for the church to connect and support our local elementary school here in, a in Akron, Pennsylvania. And uh, probably in every community or in many communities, you have a school or another institution um, that could use um, some caring adults um, to support um, what they do there. And there are simple ways that we can do those kind of supportive things. Um, we, we also know that the, the Jesus of the Gospels that we as uh, Christians are called to pay attention to, to, um, to listen to, and to serve. The Jesus of the Gospels never commanded anyone to worship him. Check it out. It's true. But he did command his disciples to follow him. And that followership includes 
feeding people, going and making other disciples, baptizing and teaching, healing the sick, clothing the naked, visiting the prisoner, sharing the good news of God's love. The good news that everyone in Christ belongs and that everyone is in Christ because of how God has made God's self known to the world. Church has become a place where people gather, often as spectators, while leaders and musicians offer inspiration. Maybe you are part of a church community like that, that really the primary or exclusive act of that church is that you gather on Sundays for worship together, to listen to a preacher, to enjoy the music, maybe to kind of sing along with a hymn, if that's your thing, or to pray, um, sometimes silently, sometimes aloud. Um, but often that that uh, that work of gathering for worship is something that um, we depend on others to do for us. Even liturgical churches like ours have become professionally led professionally led productions for people to enjoy or to consume. It's true that Jesus calls us to a table to eat and drink as a sign of his risen presence and grace and love. That's absolutely true. It is true that we are fed and forgiven at that table. But these gifts are meant to be shared. In many ways, what we do as the the church when we gather is meant to be demonstrative of how we live our everyday life. It's not just meant to be inspiration, but it's meant to also um, live itself out in imitation. Uh, We're not also only expected to be invitational. It's not just about invitation, inviting people to come, but it's also about imitation. The invitation is not only to come, but also to go and do in in our communities, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. We need every house and every table, every gathering to become a place where the divine presence, the blessing of God, the gifts of faith and hope and love are given and received, not just in our Sunday morning gatherings, but in every community space you find yourself in. The church has to reconnect with our calling as the sent people of God, rather than the gathered sheep. In the gospel reading for this week, Jesus goes to the synagogue to preach. It's from Mark chapter 6, and I'm going to read it for us now. Jesus left the place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. And they said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. 
Jesus goes to the synagogue to preach and he's rejected by his hometown because of the familiarity they have with him. He is known. They can't see or hear Christ, the anointed one, the inspired son of God, because they see him as the ordinary son of Mary and Joseph and sibling of his brothers and sisters. They see him as just Jesus, son of the carpenter, and he is amazed at their unbelief. They can't believe that God is at work in him. I think the church still does this a lot. We can't see Christ in each other. We don't see the gifts in our siblings, and we fail to notice what God is doing in someone's ordinary life because maybe we've known them a long time or we just don't expect transformation out of people. We don't look and listen for the ways God's Spirit has anointed our spouse or our child or our neighbor or our parent or our best friend or our pastor or our quiet co-worker. We don't intuit the possibility that God may call and equip someone to bear the divine presence and that someone may be you. The second part of the gospel story for Sunday says this, Then he went about among the villages teaching, and he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits, and he ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. I think this sort of... um, sending story in Mark's gospel is a little strange, especially that Jesus kind of gets hung up with a sort of dress code for uh, his uh, sent followers. Uh, And so I wonder what that could be about. So Jesus sends them and they go together. They go to confront suffering and the evil that threatens. They go with nothing more than themselves, nothing to protect them, to transact with, or to hide behind. And there is clear vulnerable risk, but it's a risk reduced by the sharing of the act as a community of sent people. Now, as a pastor, I have broken a cardinal rule many times. And that rule is to never go alone uh, into space um, as a bearer of the Christian gospel. I've gone to um, many places alone, homes, trailers, even going to visit in prison. Um, or hospitals, I've gone it alone. And I have to say that there have been times when I've been afraid and I have felt that that risk was maybe something I didn't 
calculate very well. Um, and nevertheless, God was with me, I think, and here I am to talk about those risky occasions. There have been a few occasions when I've really been afraid, really scared um, by entering into a um, an encounter with someone else. Um, and, and I think that's why Jesus sends them out in pairs. It reduces um, the possibility of risk. And um, it also um, reduces the possibility of um, uh, there, there being uh, things that happen there that uh, aren't um, recorded or um, aren't um, corroborated or witnessed. All of that is important. Notice that the message that he sends them with is a message of repentance. And so often um, we think of that word as um, a sort of this evangelical church word um, that's meant to threaten people or to frighten them um, with the possibility of hell. But that's not really what repentance is about. Repentance is really about change, um, embracing um, change, transformation. It's also about healing and reconciliation. It's also about freedom from oppression and fear and hatred. So uh, repentance is really not um, about um, you know, uh, change your behavior or face the dire um, consequences of an angry God. Repentance is about embracing the possibilities that are before you. The possibilities of goodness and mercy and love that are in front of us. Sometimes in places and in people we don't expect. Well, I want to spend a couple minutes now just equipping you a little bit, sharing a little bit about um, how I'm um, learning this summer. I think that uh, discipleship, followership um, requires of me that I continue to, um, or maybe requires in a good word. I'm constantly invited um, graciously um, to uh, be a learner, a nonstop learner. And I invite you too. So there are two apps that I've just recently um, gotten on my phone. Actually, one is recent, one I've had for a long time. Both of these apps um, help me stay connected to God's Word and help me to pray and help me to make space for reflection and contemplation in an active daily life. And both of these apps actually were recommended to me by others. So I'm passing on this recommendation to you. The first is called the Insight Timer app. Um, so whatever um, you know, phone app you use, uh, Play Store, Google, or um, for Android, or whatever it is you use for um, iPhone apps, um, it's available to you. It's called the Insight Timer app, and it's an amazing meditation app with uh, tons of application. Um, you can listen to meditations on there from um, various faith traditions, 
Um, you can uh, listen to quiet music or nat- nature sounds. Um, you can set a timer um, to time um, a period of stillness or silence every day. That's typically what I use it for. Um, I use it to help me make space for reflection and contemplation. Um, I use it to make space in my day often for, uh, for silence. And second, uh, the Common Prayer app um, that allows me to take the book Common Prayer, A Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals, um, that was edited by um, Brother Shane Claiborne and Jonathan Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove and uh, Sister Enuma Okoro um, for Zondervan. Um, Just an amazing resource, this book. Uh, It's kind of a a liturgical practice for morning, noon, and evening prayer. Um, But in its simplicity, um, it is really uh, profound and um, in sort of a uh, um, contemporary language um, and just really accessible. But uh, you can't carry the book with you everywhere, but you can carry the app on your phone. So I just downloaded the app today and um, already started using it this morning. And um, it's just a really um, simple way to remember every day to um, to begin Um, and continue your day in prayer, both morning, noon, and evening. I'm also reading two books right now. Um, I'm reading The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr, which is just really sort of blowing my mind as a person that is constantly wrestling with, um, you know, who God is and what um, does it mean to be a follower of Jesus of Nazareth, um, who is known as the Christ. Um, this book, The Universal Christ, has just opened up um, some amazing um, sort of thinking about religion, about Christianity, about Jesus, about um, the work that we do together, about worship. Um, just a, an incredible um, uh, contribution that Father Richard Rohr is making. And really for... Um, you know, not only church people, but uh, and people who consider themselves Christians, but I think even more broadly applicable, I think it, um, it'll it speak to a, a sort of a broad audience. So no matter where you are in your own sort of um, wrestling with faith or wrestling with understanding about God, I think this book would really kind of speak to you um, and would be worth your time. The other book I'm reading right now um, is a book my, um, my wife, um, Sherry, Uh, found for me um, that was recommended by uh, Brene Brown on one of her podcasts where she interviewed the author of this book. Um, And this is just an incredible um, storytelling. Uh, And the book is called How the Word is Passed, A Reckoning with the History of Slavery Across America by uh, Clint Smith. And man, uh, the stories in this book are um, hard to read, but amazing. And, you know, over and over again, uh, when I read history through the lens of the African African um, American experience, um, I'm just sort of uh, blown away and always reminded of, um, even as a lover of history, as somebody who reads history a lot and has read history for a long time, I was a history major in college, just amazing to 
um, realize how how little I know and how little history I've actually consumed from from non-white, non-European American um, perspectives, and um, it's just really valuable to to read this kind of um, work. So I commend that book to you as a um, sort of a challenging summer read I think in some ways but it's so well written the prose is just beautiful um, and it reads like a historical novel um, it's it's that well read You're, it will not bore you in any way um, especially if you love history um, so that's called How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith and um, the other book again is The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr well, friends, um, our time for this week is coming to an end, and uh, I'm grateful for um, for all of y'all and the ways that um, you continue to keep the faith and to be hopeful and to share love um, with one another and with um, the a, a world that needs love every day. And I hope to be back with you again soon. Check in again next Friday. Um, and uh, we'll continue to uh, spend some time together in uh, reflection.